Empire. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of a sit down with Sturch. I'm your host, Dave Sturch Show. And of course, this is episode six. I lose. I don't know. I'm just six deep, bro. Like this isn't that much that there's not that many episodes for me to just keep tripping up on the episode number. But another great guest in store today. Uh, last week, I had Michelle Zanman, and she was great. She, she filled us in on the world of female bodybuilding, her business, entrepreneurship, all that good stuff. Um, and it's gotten well-received, and I want to thank everybody for listening to that one. And that was the first episode that I recorded that I didn't know the person going in. So I had no idea who they were. So from that side of the spectrum to the complete opposite side of the spectrum, we welcome Nikki Effin Smith. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, buddy. Hey, man. Blessed to be here, man. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Excited. Um, I don't know. It's a good purpose. Um, and I'm just ready for it. Yeah. All right. So make sure you uh, take the little Mikey guy and pull him right in front of your face. There you go. There you go. All right. Cool. <laughs> so, hey, listen. First time we're here, folks. <laughs> What's your name? I'll write it on the wall. All right. So, Nick, uh, I've known you for a long, long time, bro. Long time. And we've been through the ups and downs of, you know, growing up as... You knew me as a teenager into my 20s, into now my 30s, and almost fucking 40, which is very, very disappointing. Cavalier days. Cavalier oh, days. the Cavalier days. Oh, don't do that already, man. <laughs> You're bringing up uh, the old primetime mobile. Uh, that was my first car, ladies and gentlemen. It was a Chevy Cavalier Z24 laser red uh, with lights underneath that the lights made it aerodynamic and went faster. Yeah. Uh, but it ain't about my first car. How about your first car, prick? <laughs> there you go. 94 Ford Escort for my Aunt Sis. There you go. She passed away, and she gave it to me, I there, guess. There it was. There it was. So, look. A lot of people know you around the Woodbridge community, um, for better or for worse, really, uh, as it started off. Uh, you grew up on one of the harder streets it is to grow up on, and that was Bun's Lane, right? You came up, you, Kev, your mom, your dad, um, back in whatever. I met you when you were... Can't forget about my sister. Of course, yeah, <laughs> Melissa, too. Jesus Christ, sorry about that, Melissa. Uh, anyway, yeah, like, she wasn't there the whole time. Like, she's going to be like, what did he just say? Um, anyway, so, Melissa, love you to death. Um, so, obviously, you guys came up on Bun's Lane. I met you, I think I met Kev... I guess I was like a sophomore in high school. Like he was there uh, for my freshman year. I just, I don't know if I knew him, knew him. Cause obviously when we're coming in from Ford's middle and he's coming in from where the hell did he go to middle school, Woodbridge middle. Yeah. He went to yeah. Woodbridge middle. Yeah. All right. So Woodbridge middle. And then we meet at Woodbridge high, but that at that time, if we're freshmen, that means you and my brother are both like sixth graders, seventh graders. Mm -hmm. Where are you going to middle school? Where did I go? Yeah. Uh, Woodbridge Middle for 6th and 7th, and then I went to Ford's Middle in 8th. So you met Danny in 8th. In 8th. All right, yeah. so that's where it all starts. 19, Jesus Christ, 19, no, 2000, I guess, right? Because uh, I graduated in 99, so maybe like 2001. All right, we'll say 2001. Yeah, Actually, you know what? I know. I guarantee you I know it's 2001 because you can ask your brother. Uh, he and I watched the Yankees lose the World Series in my bedroom in Ford's. So that's how you know what, you what or it was, where it all matches up. <laughs> So anyway, I meet you then, right? And we're 16, at me at the time, 16, 17 years old, maybe even 15. And, you know, we know you as Kevin's little brother, right? And, and that's how we, we know you. Now, I met you, and I never met your dad. So that's something that obviously affected the entire Smith family uh, from the jump, right? Because yeah. your dad passed away when? My, my, my dad passed away in February 26, uh, 2000. Okay, so it was literally right before I met you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we we used his in, like insurance money to buy the house in Fords. The Smith House. The Smith House. The, the official the party <laughs> house of the world. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. right. So so from there, um, it was, you know, I found my father. So that's what really. Yeah. Oh Jesus yeah. Christ! I, I was, didn't know that. Uh, there was a Woodbridge High School play that night. My dad wasn't feeling well. He was a stay at home dad, and uh, mm -hmm. 
he had multiple sclerosis and, uh, you know, he wasn't feeling good that night. And, uh, you know, I was a daddy's boy. I was, uh, you know, like he, he took me to get hot dogs. He took me to get my, my haircuts. He took me to, you know, he was, he was a stay at home dad, that shit. you know, okay. he was a stay at home dad and, um, medical leave. Um, and, um, you know, I went to snuck into his room to say goodnight and he was dead on the floor, man. And, uh, was a heart attack. Uh, it was actually a drug overdose. Drug overdose. So as we sit here today and record uh, in 2022, so now this is 22 years later, Correct. it is Drug Overdose Awareness Day. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and it just so, so basically you found your dad and, and how, I mean, you're, you're a young buck at the time, you know what I mean? So, I was but, 11 years old. Yeah. But you were old enough to understand like, yo, wait a minute, hold on. Like dad's not waking up. Like yeah. it, it wasn't like you were four or five and saying like, dad, dad, what's going on? You know, like you were coherent enough to understand what was happening absolutely how did that affect you going forward because look when i met you kevin and you both very outlandish outspoken uh rock star human beings and like just party animals like you guys had a good time all the time and i'm sure that didn't come easy the fact that you experienced a loss so quick right. as a kid right we had to gr you know we had to grow up fast man and you know like we we got the house and you know everything my, my, my dad taught me like i kept doing but, you know, there came to a point where, like, all those values and beliefs that he poured into me, um, like, dwindled away. And, like, you know, I was kind of lost in the sauce, you know. Like, when you find your father, pass, you know, overdosed and dead on the floor, like, there was a certain things that, like, that I needed to do, but I didn't do them. You know, like, I didn't tell anybody how I was feeling. You, you talk about mental health a lot. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I wasn't telling anybody how I was feeling. And, you know, my family, like, didn't really realize, you know, I was feeling some type of way and... You know, and that's that's what like how really my journey began. Like my, you know, Kevin went to the army. That was uh, rough for everybody. Yeah, it was rough for everybody. You know, you guys took me in, like, uh, you know, Dave, March, uh, Mark, and Johnny, and you know, like all you guys brought me fishing. You guys brought me to the party. Still, you brought me. You know, <laughs> and, you know. in hindsight, it's like, man, did we screw up. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, well, just kept bringing that's you what around. kept me going, man. Like, yeah. you know, like that's what really kept me going. Like, you know, uh. Because like all the at that attention of like you know growing up with the father and then that then like I was screaming for attention and at all the parties you brought me to like I was doing keg stands at the age of fourteen and I was right. winning, I was winning on beer pong and you know like you guys thought I was you know like the shit you know and and in reality was like I was dying inside and I really didn't know understand that and when when Kevin went away from the army um, I don't blame him um, everybody has uh, their own way of dealing with things and you know my brother you know. He's like my real hero. My like he's one of my best friends today. Um, you know, he gave up his signing bonus to be in the same troop that my dad was in. You know, like he was in eighty second airborne. My dad, my dad was in eighty second airborne. Um, so he gave up a lot to be in eighty second airborne and and fight with the same patch my dad did. That's pretty cool. You know, you I know, didn't know that. Yeah, no, it's it's um, so he had his own way of dealing with things, grieving. Mm -hmm. And I had my own ways of dealing with things. Right. And, um, you know, my sister just had Ashley at the time. Right. Um, my, she was nine months pregnant at my dad's wake, you know, and, and John was around, John was around. Right. Yeah. John was around. Got um, rest his soul too. Unreal. Yeah, absolutely. For yep. both my dad at 41 and John at 41. Wow. Okay. You know? And, um, what's it called? Uh, at that time in, in, in place, my, my dad died on February 26th and my niece was born March 4th. So it was one week later. Wow. Like, you know, and, uh, you know, a lot going on. You know, you know it, 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 as, as odd as that sounds with the timing, it almost as if like 
y'all are, are hurting right now, but I'm about to deliver something really, really cool to you guys to get you through this. And right. that's where Ashley comes in. And then yeah. like, shout out to Ashley. Love her to death. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Which, by the way, may, nothing, nothing makes me feel older than showing up at a bar last summer <laughs> and seeing Ashley like, hey, I'm like, what? Yeah, why, why am I here? You yeah. know, like, oh, my 22 God. 22 years old. Jesus man. Christ. Yeah. Oh, yeah, my she, goodness. She, I'm proud of her, though. Um, She's a spark plug. Yeah. Um, you know, she came in and, uh, you know, she kind of like twisted our minds on like the whole situation and uh you know she was a godsend really you know um but you know at that same time like you know i just found my dad dead and you know like new baby new house and like you know kind of like some things went under the rug uh, you know uncertain you know that i that i pushed down because i right. needed to man up i was an uncle at the age of 11 which me and ashley's relationship at that age um you know she was more like a little sister to me absolutely you know? um you know watching dragon tales and playing video games, giving right. her the empty controller, not plugged in, you know, like all <laughs> you those son of a bitch. <laughs> Let her play. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. So, you know, and uh so yeah, so my brother went away and, you know, I was even more lost. You know, like my brother was, you know, he brought me to all the parties. He brought me to, you know, everything. Not just partying. Like he was my like he was my father figure. And then I did have John, but you know, he called me homo like every time he like I seen him. You know, um <laughs> I had Danny over all the time. Mm -hmm. I, had, I had my best friend Steve over all the time. Um, you know, he he called me gay. He called me homo. You know, like I was watching him like shave one time. And he, you know, he thought who's this, John? Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, I, I was watching him shave one day, and he was and like, look, just so you? everybody knows who's listening, this is two thousand and three, where it was still socially acceptable yeah. to say these things yeah. without like you know yeah. mean mean. And you know what? He probably didn't. He's not no, he didn't actually thinking no. anything of that. No, so he, he he stepped into my you know he stepped into my family at a large way, man. Like he had two options: mm -hmm. go away with his own family. Um, you know, with Melissa and Ashley or buy this big house and to take care of all of us. You know, he paid the mortgage. My mom went food shopping. My sister paid the electric bill, whatever, whatever. It was you a know, big team effort. You know, it was a big team effort, mm -hmm. you know, and John, you know, John stepped in. Uh, but like my father figure was my brother at the time. You know, like my father, he was sh showing me what my dad didn't show me, you know, right. going into that era of my life. And um, I don't know. It was just uh, when he went away and. I was, you know, with just John and just the, the girls, um, you know, like I turned 17, I, you know, I turned 18 and, you know, I started smoking weed and, and, uh, you know, I went to community college and, and then like a month later I started selling it by pounds and I went to Connecticut back and forth to Connecticut. Uh, just to, to get the weed? To get the weed, yeah. Now remember weed back then, I know I keep saying back then, but back then it was a one illegal two. Very hard to get, you know what I mean? Like you had to have a guy, yeah, you know, yeah. and it seemed like, so when exactly, like, obviously, you know, you're drinking with us and obviously that's not even remotely good, right? Well, like we're, but we're also 16, 17 years old and we're slugging beers. My first beer, Cotillion night uh, at your house, Heineken, disgusting, right? Yeah, disgusting. Never yeah. drank another Heineken again <laughs> uh, after that. But like, that was, that was where we got to release. That was a lot of our escapes was going to the Smith house and hanging out yeah. and drinking some beers and watching UFC and yeah. calling mom, John mom Chuck. the keys. Your mom took you know, all the keys. If you yeah. were, once we started driving, keys in a bucket, man, that's it. Yeah. Like your bowl, whatever. Yeah. Um, there was no driving home. There was none of that shit. You were just, you were on the couch or you were on the, I don't know, the grass in the back. <laughs> you, know I mean? you were somewhere. Um, but that was the place to be. And I, I have to say like, in that era of my life, like 16, 17, 18 years old, like you, you look at Kevin as, as like a, a father figure, older brother, obviously, and a hero, bro, like growing high school was rough for me until Kevin like took me in too, yeah. you know, into his crew. You know what I mean? So I was like, Kevin kind of like rescued me in a sense of where I was like, 
damn, nobody fucking, I, you know, I used to be so popular in middle school. What the fuck happened? You know what I mean? Like high school is a whole nother ball game. You're dealing with seniors, you know, like, dealing yeah. with, but Kevin took me under his wing and that's where I got to go. And then in turn, my brother got to go. And then like my Ford's crew matched with your guys. Like, you know, you got the Tims and the Marks and the Johnnies and we're all just one big happy family. And, and that was my fucking childhood, bro. That yeah. was it. But all this while, while we're all partying illegally, you know, illegally partying, um, you're doing it too. And, for some of us, it was uh, it was a cool time on a Friday night. Yeah, it was just to have fun and it, have like you know just to, you know in the moment kind right, of thing. Right, right, and it was never like oh let's do this every night for the rest of our lives. It was like weekend came and if you didn't go to the mall to walk around and do eighteen laps on a Friday, you went to the Smith House, and that was it. That was yeah. that was the this Friday. And you Saturday guys night. had that off switch, and um, you know like I was doing it to to hide my emotions to 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 blind everything that was going on inside of me because at most of the nights I just cried myself to sleep because I didn't like how I felt inside, mm -hmm. you know? And like, I was trying to fill that with something physical like beer or, you know, alcohol. And then we, so, so beer was the first starter because obviously that came yeah, first. I had my first beer at like age eleven. Yeah, so you know, like, like you're you're drinking beers, uh, not in, like I guess in consumption because we're all there, we're all having a yeah. good time. Uh, when does the weed come? In? Like somebody must. Have, I'm not. Don't say like this is the guy who gave me my <laughs> no, first joint. No. You know, like I I'm did saying, my jail time. I'm not no snitch. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there, that boy, because <laughs> they get stitches. Um, but I will say like when when did the like the weed thing go? because look again right now it's very socially acceptable it's legal everywhere you know yeah. people just smoke weed while they're driving here you yeah. know what i mean like it's a it's it's legal now but back then it, i'm not about to be like it's a gateway drug like yeah. but it technically was something to kind get of, you to everything else yeah kind of sort of you know like i always I'm, i don't say there's a gateway drug i mm -hmm. say that, that there's the trauma that happens in your life and you, it, you have to deal with it mm -hmm. and like whatever happened in your life that could be your gateway drug okay you know and that's what happened with me got you um and um until I got into recovery, I didn't know the answers to my story. I, you know, like I didn't know half the things why I did the things I did, you know? And, uh, so the weed came into play when I went to community college mm -hmm. and, uh, basically I, uh, I was Mr. Popular in high school too. You know, I had Kevin Smith as my older brother. Um, you know, all the teachers knew me, you guys, you know, left a platform for me. Um, and, uh, you know, like I got nominated for like homecoming King, you know, like, did you really? Yeah, I did. You son yeah. of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> he stud you. Yeah. I had no idea. Why did I know that? Yeah. So, <laughs> I figured you would have definitely puffed your chest see, out for that see, one. See, that, that was the thing though, because like I, I needed to be liked, you know, like I went to school every day, you know, like blasting my Nextel ringtone, buying them on my mom's bill, uh, because I needed to be cool. You know, I needed to be, you know, like a twinkle in somebody's eye because at the end of the day, it was, I wasn't, I, you know, it wasn't doing it for me, you right. know, like, and when I went home every time I had the life, you know, without my brother, I had the life, you know, go in my room and play Halo all night. Like, and this is when Halo was popular, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> and I turned into call of duty and now, and now you can't stop. Yeah. Um, but sorry. Right, so, so weed starts, right. And that's look, smoking weed is one thing. It, it could lead to, you know, feeling good, feeling shitty, feeling worse, feeling best. You know, like weed is a weird thing. I can't even speak for it. Did it once, right? Turned green, coughed for like 80 hours in a <laughs> row. And I was like, I should probably never do this again. Yeah. You know, and like I never did. You know, I was just kind of scared. But yeah. uh, so obviously your, your, your fall doesn't happen because of weed. No, it didn't. So no, like um, clearly college is here and you're smoking weed. When does this all so, start spiraling? So it was like a month later I was selling it. And then like. 
I was I wasn't even doing a sale. Uh, somebody leaned into my uh, car at Quick Check in Woodbridge, the big one. Um, everybody the knows big the big one. Yeah, yeah, everybody knows the big uh, or the small one. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know they. Um, That's so funny. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like I know exactly. What yeah, you're yeah. So if somebody was reaching in my car just to say hi, and um, you know nothing crazy, mm-hmm. and um, I, when I pulled out, I got pulled over, and um, my my weed, you know, my car smelled like weed. Um, and you know, I had a bowl and $20 worth of weed on me at that time. Um, I was getting arrested, uh, on the side of green street. Um, and, uh, everybody and their mother seen me get arrested. I went, I, they ripped apart my car. Uh, I had a cobalt SS at that time. Um, and they ripped apart my car. I got released like two hours later, um, get, getting charges and, and, um, my phone has like 26 missed phone calls. Um, and I was, I guys called and, you know, saying like, Hey, you know, like trying to play it off that, that just didn't happen. And uh, everybody knew, you know, everybody knew that I got arrested. So that was your first arrest. Yeah, that was my first arrest. What uh, year is this? Um, 2007, okay. 2007, 2006, late 2007, okay. I think. Um, so, um, so that when that happened, um, they knew like what was going on, you know, like, uh, and my, you know, my dad died, um, uh, addict in recovery or addict, you know what I mean? And, uh, yeah. so my mom knew where to bring me, you know, right. she brought me to a 12 step fellowship meeting that night um, for weed, for weed, for weed. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, um, she knew I had something, you know, something going on and these are the people that can help me, you know? True. And, um, so once that started happening, um, I, I couldn't smell like weed anymore. My eyes couldn't be red anymore. Um, when I went home, they inspected every little thing about me. Um, and when I went to a party not too long after that, um, Percocet came into play, okay. uh, pills. Um, and, um, once I did one of those, um, it was off to races. So everything, so Percocets and then leads to pretty much everything under the sun. Correct. Um, yes. all right. So obviously you're in a bad headspace. You're, you're doing all this stuff. You have your first arrest in 2007. We're sitting here in 2022 right now. So that's 15 years ago. How many times you got locked up? I have 18 arrests, 17 misdemeanors, and 13 felonies. <laughs> High quality human being. No. Uh, yeah. So look, obviously you went down a path where it's just like, holy shit, man. You know, yeah. like, and, and you know what the problem was? Not just obviously your problem, but like the people that are around you now are starting to realize, like, man, we can't. I can't be hanging out with Nick anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like things went yeah, it, south. It, it went for south, a lot of people. It went south real quick because like I I got into the pill game and nobody knew for years. You know, like my eyes were pinned and that was about it. You know, like they were looking for the weed. They were looking for the, you know, smelling like grape Dutch and, you know, all that stuff. But, you know, I thought maybe I'm wrong, but nobody really knew for a couple of years, you know, and uh, until I started stealing their stuff, um, you know, like it got to that point, I, it got to that point. I, I stole like Ashley's piggy banks, her wee, um, you know, my, my dad's wedding band that we didn't bury him with. Um, you know, there was a lot of th- you know jewelry on top of jewelry on top of jewelry. My grandma's house. You know, everybody's house I went to, uh, house parties. I went to the, you know, parents. Did you steal anything from me, bro? No. Okay. I didn't. Oh, no. Okay, good. <laughs> I want it back if you didn't. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. You no. said like, I can't hang out with this guy anymore. So, that, you know. So, the, so but but the people that did hang out with you yeah. were, were victim to, to victim. A, a bad spell yeah. on your part. Yeah. Um, you know, when, when you're locked with the disease of addiction, man, um, you don't care about anything. You just want to get high. And um, you do anything and anything to get it. Uh, and that's, that was my goal every single day is to get one more, you know? And, uh, you know, I lived, uh, uh, I was a eight year opiate addict. Um, so that turned, you know, 
I, I went doctor shopping, which everybody that, that I don't know if you guys know what doctor shopping Not is. Not a clue. What do you? What but um, I went to three, four different doctors. Got th over three hundred uh, pills a month from different doctors. Um, like hundred from this guy, twenty from this guy. Just to so, write your prescription. Uh, yeah. Or you just had to him in the office, whatever. Yeah, I went to doctors that didn't even look at my face. And, you know, I gave them cash. They gave me a prescription and I left. Jesus you know? Christ. And, right. uh, you know, we live in a society today that, that they put a, a stop to all. Yeah, that, it seems you know? that way. So, um, so thank God, you know, number one, um, I was writing my own scripts. Um, I was wow. cleaning my sister's scripts and I was rewriting them and taking them to quick check and they were filling them. Um, and you learn a lot, you know, you learn a lot on the streets, you know, yeah. and, um, and, uh, you know, my doctor got arrested, my pharmacist got arrested, um, and now they're doing probably 30, 40 years That's uh, incredible. of federal time. That probably. is some serious shit. Yeah, it is. Um, and one, once that happened, man, um, I was, you know, strung out on opiates, um, not knowing where to go. And everybody always told me, like, heroin, no. You know, like, th that's a no-no. Like, since elementary school, dare. You yeah, know, like, yeah. Fucking um, dare. McNamara. <laughs> Ma Ma wow. <laughs> Shout out to Officer McNamara. Wow. You know, yeah, she uh, did it for everybody, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, and I I was left with no choice. You know, um, you know, I, I could do a pill. You know, uh, I was doing Rocaset at the time. And the pill. The fuck is Rocaset? Rocaset is a 30 milligram um, oxycodone. So, it's, okay. you know, Tylenol has got 10 milligrams of... Um, painkiller in it and mm -hmm. 325 of tylenol in it what i was doing was 30 milligrams of straight painkiller you know, straight painkiller solid the okay. day i left for rehab the first time um i did uh 26 30 milligram pills in one line so um, you basically said if i'm going in i gotta go in strong like that yeah that was like, that's what most of us do um you know most of us before we leave we have to get one more you know we have to get one more run into us so um, Obviously, I'm, uh, listen. I'm not. I'm not about to drag you this entire thing. You know oh, what man. I'm saying? No, I'm like, I, no, but I, no, no. What I'm saying is, this whole road it goes spiraling out of control. You're doing every drug under the sun, and you're losing connection with your loved ones and your friends and your family. You know, and I, I can't speak for Kevin, but I'm assuming when he gets back from the army and yeah. realizes everything's happening the way it is. You know, he's about to try to embark on another career. How the fuck is he supposed to do that right. with, with with this happening? So, yeah. did you feel anything at the time? And I understand that you know when you're when you're an addict, uh, you don't give a shit about anything. Did you feel anything any sort of way when Kevin came home and and basically was kind of looking around, See, saying, you know, what the fuck, dude? Like, what's going on? Yeah, well, you know, he came out of boot camp, and you know, every year he came home on leave and stuff like that. I just got worse and worse and worse, and. uh you know, he tried kicking my ass, um, you know, several times. I'm sure he did. I <laughs> uh, tried to whip the disease addiction out of me. Yeah. And, uh, and that never worked, you know. Um, and uh, my family gave me the tough love, the tough love. They always gave tough love. Um, you know, you can't shower here. You can't come inside. You can't do this. You can't do that. Um, you know, I was on the streets for a while, man. And, uh, yeah, my brother came home to a mess of a brother, man. And, uh, yeah, every time he did come home, I tried to, you know, do a little bit. You know, and so I didn't get sick and, you know, I do a little bit so he doesn't notice, uh, you know, he wants to go to dinner. Like, let me just do a little bit so I can not throw up on the meal, you know, right, like, right, uh, right, right. you know, and, um, you know, that's one thing uh, when my brother, I never stole from my brother, you know, like okay. that's one person I never stole from. He kicked um, the shit out of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Undertaker's choke slam. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, um. Yeah, you know, he when and when he came out, he was he was getting that career. Um, he was a corrections officer at the time, and mm -hmm. when I was in Middlesex County Jail, he was the corrections officer across the street in the juvie. You know, um, I'll never forget. I knew a corrections officer, and he would 
he texted me one morning. He's like, you're never going to believe who walked in here today. Yeah. And he told me, I was like, what the fuck? That, that was my first whiff of everything that was happening. Yeah. Cause I, you know, you're not going to come to me and say like, Hey man, by the way, I'm i uh, <laughs> I'm fucked up. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you, you wouldn't do that. Um, maybe out of either. I'm still trying to get in your fantasy leagues so. <laughs> though. Right. Right. And like, bro. And that was a tough thing because who, who wants to tell, you no? I've known you since like fucking yeah. yay big, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So like, I didn't want to say no to that, yeah. but I had people around me that were like, no man, like you, this, this can't happen. And I'm just like, but so, it's a hundred bucks. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. You know, but I, I, in reality, I was like, this this whole thing sucks, you know. Like the whole the whole process of, of seeing that you were down and out and down, what was it broke my heart. You know what I mean? Because there was a lot of things like what people don't know is that my relationship with your family goes a little deeper than just than just Kevin. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. Like I was in a relationship with your cousin. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like I love your family. So like when I heard all of this stuff go down, I was like. God damn, you know, like your dad was like my dad. Uh, yeah, I was man. with Danny all the time. Danny was th you, you were know. you guys were inseparable. Yeah, exactly. Stifler and whatever the fuck yeah, they called yeah. you. You know, and Nicky yeah. Effitt's you know yeah. what I mean? Like that was you guys were inseparable. Right. So like for all of this to happen, it was heartbreaking for my entire family, for everybody around you. And this isn't a, you know, supposed to turn the story and say, like, oh, I can't believe you did this. Like obviously you're you're in a bad spot. And when was rock bottom? I'm talking like, yo. I need to stop right now. Like, what the fuck? You know, we talk about, I'll ask you straight up. We talk about today being, uh, you know, overdose awareness. Mm -hmm. Was there ever a situation where you overdosed and it was almost over? There was actually no no overdoses for me. Okay. Um, you know, I never took, I always knew how much to, to do. Um, but, like, this is, I got clean in 2014. Right, you know, so this is now eight years ago. This is eight and a half, you know, eight years, seven months, and a couple of days. You know, um, don't short me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Only this guy knows that. Only he knows that. But go ahead. So, um, so yeah, you know, it was literally I was doing heroin eight years ago. You know, like today, it's nuts to it's, think about. Yeah, you know, but today there's fentanyl uh, made pills and there's fentanyl Xanax, fentanyl weed, fentanyl this, fentanyl that. So my friends um, that I got clean with like eight years ago, yeah, like some of us stayed. But like when they decided to go out years later, they weren't doing the same things they were doing anymore. They were they were doing fentanyl, like straight fentanyl, you know, stuff, like, stuff that can kill you on a one shot deal. Dude, it's like three grands of sand that and if that if you get it, it, a bad bag, that's what we call it on the streets, a bad bag, you, you're dead. You know, like, and they didn't make Narcan until a few years later. Um, you know, like they, they seen that it was a problem. They found Narcan and Narcan, you know, brings you back to life after an overdose. If it, if it does its job, right. you know? Um, so yeah, like when I was, so there's something out there right now that can save somebody from an overdose. Yeah. It's called Narcan. Oh yeah. wow. Okay. I didn't yeah. know that. That's, yeah. You spray it in your nose or there's actually a shot too. Um, okay. so yeah, it's, it takes the molecules off your, uh, respiratory receptors and, you know, it's a long story. It's got it, science. got it, got it. So 2014. Uh, 2014. Where's the where's um, the rock bottom moment where you're just so, like, all right, it's time to get clean. So, yeah, no, there, it wasn't even a moment like that. You know, like I, I did try to overdose. You know, I was at a point in life where I didn't want to live anymore. My family disowned me. Um, I I was adding two, three, four bags to the mix. Uh, I was an IV drug user. I was putting needles in my arm every single day. Damn, um, right. And um, my, my arms looked like MapQuest. Um, you could see every single, you know, um, and you know, they, they always told in, in recovery, we say a thing, we, you know, rec, uh, rock bottom is where you stop digging, you know, and, um, that's, that's the day I stopped digging January 20th, 2014. Um, you know, I caught those 13 felonies in one night, 
Um, and Jesus. Yeah. I what hit the hell did you do? I hit the same building nine days in a row, stealing from all types of people, um, you know, the locker room in there. Um, basically, if you went to the gym and, you you know, you left your pants out on a bench, um, I went through your wallet. I took your cash. I took your gift cards. Um, and it was right around Christmas. I got clean in January 20th. So it was right around, right after Christmas. Everybody was loaded. Um, uh, you know, I ended up, you know, getting $11,000 uh, in nine days. And um, everybody that reported anything stolen, I, I, I paid back eventually. They, but they traced it back to you and you were caught, literally caught. Yeah, it was literally nine days. Nine days of doing the same thing. Did um, you do time? I did, I did do, do quite a time. Um, I lost about two years of my life in rehabs, detoxes, uh, county jails. I didn't do prison time, uh, but um, I got released on this thing called drug court. Speaking on personal experience, the house buying and house selling process is a bitch. It's not fun. It's not fun at all. But you know who made it fun? You know who turned all this around, took all the stress out of the process? It's Curtis Counts of EXP Realty. Whether you're buying a house, selling a house, searching for a house, you'll get constant emails of things that pop up in your budget and what you're actually looking for. To start this process, you just have to call Curtis right now. You can reach him at 732-856-2293 or shoot him an email at kurtrcounts at hotmail.com. And yes, some, some of us folks are still using Hotmail. Um, you know, I've heard of that. Yeah. So Chris Christie, uh, made it years, years and back. Um, you know, he signed the thing for it. Um, and you know, it gives me an addict like me that doesn't have a, a violent crime on my record, uh, a chance at life again, you know, and, uh, I waited in County jail for eight months. Um, you know, I was eating honey buns, ramen noodles. Um, I was doing all of that. Um, you know, I got, when I got locked up, I was 142 pounds, uh, soaking wet. Um, you can see every vein in my body. Um, through scars and um, you know punctures and and um, when I got released I was 227 pounds pure okay. muscle bulking up son yeah. all right yeah little so, push-up skis <laughs> yeah so you know and my family they came to see like at the end of my like five six months in at first my mom wasn't answering me my sister you I know, mean you gotta look yeah. at it from their point of view like what the fuck you that know what first I mean? like, night I got arrested uh -huh. was probably the first night my mom slept in years she knew you were off the street. She knew I was off the street. She knew I was okay. She knew I was warm. She knew, you know, like, and um, that was the, probably the best sleep she ever had in her entire life. Um, she can actually sleep for one night, you know, not, not, you know, because prayers, prayers were answered. I, I just didn't like the way they were answered. Right, you know? right. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I was waiting on drug court and uh, I got released on drug court eight months later and um, my family came to see me. They seen something different in me. You know, they seen like a twinkle in my eye. They seen I was serious, um, and uh, I was still wasn't allowed home yet. Mm -hmm. um, they oh, didn't respectively trust me. so, yeah. So my uncle Keith gave me a couch to sleep on for thirty days. He said, "This is thirty. My my uncle Keith's also in recovery. My dad's twin brother. Um, he's got thirty three years now. Um, so when my dad died, he got through that. You know, um, his twin brother. Um, and uh, so he gave me a couch to sleep on for thirty days. Um, I went to meetings, 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 and uh, my first job out was uh." Like pumping gas at Luke Oil and Fords. Okay. Uh, you know, and uh, on drug court, you need to go there five times a week. You need to get drug tested five times a week. Five times? Five times a week. I mean, yeah. no bullshit. Okay. Yeah. So um, everybody said drug court was a, a setup for failure. Everybody inside told me it was a, a setup for failure. Um, but I really wanted it, man. Um, I wanted my family back. I didn't want to live the way I was living anymore. Um, I got some muscle. Uh, you know, I was, you know, feeling myself for the first time in a very long time. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, 
you know, I, I did meetings after meetings and then I got my first job and you need, you need a full-time job to, to stay on drug court. Okay. Um, so to get, to move from phase one to phase two, you need a full-time job, show up five times a week, once court, once probation and three times IOP. Um, and I did that. You know, I moved to phase two. I was flying through the phases. I was going through meetings. I was going, you know, I was doing everything I was doing. Um, and, um, you know, I was getting my life back little by little. You and know? you were doing this all, uh, you know, I don't know the right terminology to say this, but like you were doing all this without finding God or anything like that. That comes later? Three years. Yeah. At three years, I found God. So three years goes by. How did that process happen? Like, so, you know, I'm not, look, if you're listening to this right now and you're like, I don't want to hear about spirit. This is a big ass deal because like. If it wasn't for this moment three yeah. years ago, you know, like now you're, you're fucking flying, bro. You know what I'm saying? You're flying high and this is a big part of it. So explain to me how that happened. So, you know, and if you're, if you are out there and you, you do have the word, you know, God and this, that, the other thing, like the disease of addiction is a lower power. And I had to believe that a lower power was working in my life and to, to cure what I was going through, I needed to, to, to treat it like a disease. Like everybody says it's a, it's a choice. It's not a disease. Um, when I treated it like a disease, just then I got, I, I can recover. Right. And I treated it like a disease. I treated it like cancer. I treated it like that. I was going to die the next Cause day. Cause you had to beat I, it. Yeah. Yeah. I had to beat it. Um, so what I, what I kept doing, um, at 18 months clean for some reason, I just wanted to use drugs. Um, and nobody, nobody took me. I offered, uh, like a hundred bucks for the ride. Nobody took me, thank God. Um, and I went to sleep, my emotions passed and I needed to do something about my recovery, you know? And, uh, you know, I, I pepped it into, you know, full gear, you know, I changed sponsorship, um, in, in that, in that area of my life. Um, and when I changed sponsorship, this guy showed me the steps and he showed me like a guy, a guy that has a higher power in his life, the guy that, that has a relationship with God, the people that I was scared of. You know, and uh, it took me, um, then I started going to different ministries. I started, you know, I started coming to church, but on Thursdays or Wednesdays, it took me nine months to walk into a sanctuary at a church because um, of the things I've done, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and what do you feel like you like, walk through the doors, you're just going to implode in fire? Pretty much. Yeah, okay. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah that and I had. That's how Barry feels when she walks into a Catholic church. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going to light on fire. But <laughs> <laughs> so yeah at that stage of my life um you know i still had a resentment against god mm -hmm. why would you make me find my father why would you take my brother away why would you uh have me you know why am i still alive when my friends are dying like you know like i had a resentment you right. know like and uh and i why why did why did he choose me you know like why why do i get a clean date and everybody keeps dying you know like i brought all my friends with me today you know you know, these are my friends. Jesus Christ. Okay. You know, I didn't show them to the camera. Yeah, like these this. are the people that that I was supposed to grow old with. You know, right. like, and and why me? You know, and, you know, I just had to stop saying why me and just live in the purpose. And, like, like I just posted today on, on Facebook, like, every loss is just fuel to my anger. You know, fuel to, the, to help somebody else. You mm -hmm. know, and uh, so, yeah, I got to church and... You know, things were great and, you know, it was still, it was still rocky road and, you know, um, you know, just because you're clean and just because you got your life back, just because you have a relationship with God doesn't mean you have, you know, your, your life is rainbows and Skittles, you know, like, right. um, I, I had to do some work still, you know, and, uh, at that time in my life, my sponsor's brother, his name is Jimmy. He was helping me and, you know, you know, all these guys were different helping me and, and what, 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 what was my savior was my, like my wife today, you know, like, uh, when did you meet her? 
Uh, she, she, we met in Miami, actually. Um, you met in Miami? Yeah. Uh, and you're both from Jersey? Yeah. yeah. What are the odds so, of that? <laughs> so my, my father-in-law now, but Jimmy, he was speaking in Miami. He was doing a main banquet meeting um, in Miami, and all of us were flying down to see because Jimmy was doing it. And um, we all flew down there. Um, and uh, for the first time, you know, his brother was sponsoring me. I was in his house. I was in her house, and we never crossed paths before. Weird. Yeah. Okay. We, I've seen pictures of her, you know, I did this, I've seen that. And, um, you know, in Miami, you know, she was there, you know, and, you know, you know, I was dating somebody else at the time, uh -huh. but, um, you know, we started, John passed away. She posted on my Facebook, um, you know, like the Trowbridge family loves you, um, you know, like reach out anytime. And then like, I was going through a breakup at that time. I was going through like a long distance relationship when in reality, like I was the only one in the long distance relationship. Oh, uh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, um, I was going through stuff, you know, I lost John, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going through a breakup. I'm, you know, like I'm, I'm trying to like refloat myself here. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, you know, we went on our first date in March, 2016, March, 2016. Okay. Um, and, um, Seems like the rest is history after that. 2017, maybe. Okay. Um, you know, 2018. She's gonna kick your yeah, ass, yeah. by the way, when she hears this. It's like, how the frick does he not know? I'm thinking about so many things right yeah, now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, we went on. What's her name again? <laughs> I went. I went on my first date with her, and um, you went to see Beauty and the Beast when that live action that just came out like what, six years ago now. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, drafted kick. Who'd you draft a kicker? Gay. <laughs> 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 So yeah, that's uh, humor, folks. That's well, allowed. She was, you know, she was obsessed with Disney. And yeah, like, yeah. You know, and uh, those freaks. Okay, so, yeah, no, they're know, out there. <laughs> you know, recovery has softened my heart. Yeah, you know, it's softened for who I am. Um, mm -hmm. I cry. I, I was, I was the one crying in the movie theater at that day. Oh, when, trust when me, when Beast happens. died. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, no, I know. I know. <laughs> you know, I, I'm listening to Frozen, and, and I'm just like <laughs> waterworks around yeah. my daughter. She's like, "What are you doing?" Yeah. I'm like, "Oh my god." Yeah. Great. So like, recovery softened my heart to a point where like um, that stuff doesn't matter. But I went on a date with this girl and she she totally totally blew me out of the water man and um you know you, sometimes when you find that particular somebody that you're meant to be with mm -hmm. um you know like you want to do better every single day for that you know for that person for yeah. you for for you guys for sure um you know and uh you know she was a big you know she was a big rock in my relationship it, it was rocky because like her uncle was sponsoring me mm. and her dad was pouring into me and like we had to break the news that like hey we're dating, Yikes. you know, and dating uh, the boss's daughter, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like that old yeah, situation. And everybody in recovery was like, "Yo, are you crazy?" You know, like you, you might have to go to a different fellowship if you, you know, like this mm -hmm. is crazy, you know. Uh, and um, you know, she was a big part of uh, like why I, I, you know, I continued to do what I was doing. Um, she had a relationship with God. She's a you know, nice Christian girl. Um, you know, I wanted to be, you know, with the Christian girl, so I need to do Christian things. Yeah. Um, you know, and. Uh, and, uh, when are you doing this Saturday? Whatever. Some Christian shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. It's yeah, over. yeah. So, um, so yeah, and that totally like, you know, through this whole process, being I'm I'm, I'm writing steps in for uh, of recovery and I'm getting better. You know, um, I'm I'm quitting soda. I'm quitting like Monster. I'm Is quitting. that why you didn't bring Mountain Dew the draft? You <laughs> son of a gun. <laughs> well, I do, I do do soda still, but okay. you know. In, in minimal uh, portions. Okay. Um, but like, you know, I, I was drinking like five monsters a day. Got you know, like, it. Okay. Yeah. Well, you need You have an addictive personality. I do. So like, that I was do. it. You so, need caffeine. You need the jolt. So the thing of, of recovery and addiction is like the, the lifestyle of addiction can kill you, you mm -hmm. know, and I've lived that, you know, but the lifestyle of recovery can kill you too if you don't do what you need to do. 
right? Like, because there's voids in, inside of you still. When you, you know, everybody's recovering from something. You are recovering from something. Mm -hmm. You know, like you have a void inside of you that you try to fill with different things. Right. So, like the five monsters a day, smoking a pack of cigarettes a day, like all that stuff um, built up. Like, you know, I had a sponsee that died at, at my, my age, like 30, uh, of a, like a, a, a explosive heart attack because he was doing too much to fill that void. You know, clean, he died. Wow. You know? Um, so just doing as much as he can outside the realm of drugs and still died. Pretty much. Wow. Yeah. Okay. You know, like he was obese and he, you know, he had energy drinks. He was smoking pack, two packs of cigarettes a day and his heart just gave out. Wow. You know, like, uh, so, you know, like this, the lifestyle of recovery can kill you too. And like, you know, you've known me, like I've been in good shape lately. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, I, I shave every, uh, every three days. I, I get a haircut every two weeks. Are you, are you saying you got something guys guys with beards or? My wife does. <laughs> Your wife has a beard? No, no, no. <laughs> she has something against beards. Well, uh, only on me. Oh, so yeah. you just can't grow a beard. That's uh, your problem. Well, yeah, I guess. Um, <laughs> I haven't seen it in six That's years. That's not my so problem. That's your problem. I haven't seen it in six years. So, um, so um, she, I shave, you know, but at the, at the same time, like, this is my clean cut. Look, when I first got clean, I, I decided not to do contacts anymore because when I was homeless, I didn't change them. You know, when I went to the doctor, they literally like suction cupped off of my eyelid because like wow. they were they were so infused. They were on there for like two, three years. Oh, shit. And like right. I, it was, you know, lacking like oxygen and all the nutrients your your eye needs. And uh, when I like, as you see, like when I got clean, I got glasses mm -hmm. and like this is my look now. Like this is my clean look. Like I shave, I get a haircut, I got I put my glasses on, I wear cologne like these are small little things I have to do for myself to feel better about myself, you know, like just because like I said, it's not all people rainbows. think I'm crazy for going to get a haircut once a week. I'm like, well, yeah. you know, for that, for, I mean, how good do you feel after a fresh haircut? Oh, it's Pretty goddamn amazing. good, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. So esteemable things, you yeah. know, like, and like you talk about mental health all the time. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's a rigorous, like, how can I do better? How can I be better? Um, you know, every single day. You just you know, need like, a couple, you know what, what I figured out over time is that you need reasons why, you know, why, yeah. why am I doing all this? You right. have your wife, you have your family. I have everybody at home. I got my home team. You know what I'm saying? I got yeah. my dad. I got, you know what I'm saying? So if you find your reasons why, you'll find a, re a way out of this shit. Right. You will. Um, and I'm not saying it's easy. And I'm not saying anybody out there who is dealing with addiction or dealing with any of these problems or demons, uh, it's like a one day you wake up, you're like, you know what? Fuck that. I'm kicking all this shit. I'm all good. Like, you got to go down the road you went. And I'm not saying go down and spiral and get locked up and all this stuff. But you can catch yourself now. And I'm sure you're. that's something that you have, a, a, like, you speak a testament to. Well, yeah. yeah you know, you like, want to catch yourself before these things actually happen. Yeah. You know, like I got to like everybody still says like to me, like, why do you still go to meetings? Like, why do you still do that? Why do you get why do you still write steps? Why do you um, still help people? You know, why do you like that? Why don't you just have one beer? Like, you know, like I, I'm scared. You know, like I'm scared of having a beer, mm. like because I know how <laughs> you know how I drink. Yes. You know, like, yes. um, and we uh, drink by the case at the Smith House, yes, folks. Exactly. <laughs> Individuals. So like. I, you know, I, and I have evidence in like staying in the recovery community, what one out one, one alcoholic beverage can do because one alcoholic beverage can turn into cocaine that night. Jesus you know, Christ. Like, and yeah. that's what I was doing too. I was doing cocaine. I was doing heroin, cocaine, heroin, you know, you like all over the place. I was all over the place. And, uh, and you know, I need to continue the path because that's what the path, like when you write the 12 steps and the 12th step, it tells you that you need to keep going. You need to help the next person. Right. And, and that's part of like, this is, this is my 12th step right here. Like I'm helping somebody on the other line. 
You know, like if if I if I went through all that pain just to help one person, it, it's 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 been worth. I it. I say that all the time about literally anything I say, write, communicate, verbalize, whatever. If I turn somebody's day, absolutely around, yeah. yo, I I that's. It it's goes, bigger than any monetary thing. It's bigger than, you know, a pat on the back. It's just like you feel good. And like you being the way you were and now we're the way you are, this show in particular could do wonders for people. Oh, absolutely. You know, like, and I've I've gotten blessed to, you know, go into high schools and middle schools and I was on 101.5. Nice. I was on Channel 4 Philly. This and, guy's got more radio time um, than I do. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, does that um, happen? And, uh, you know, I, I've been blessed. I've been, I've spoken to thousands and thousands of middle school and high school students. Um, you know, I, a couple of weeks ago, I just did Junior Police Academy for Woodbridge Township. You know, like. like did you ever stop and think like, holy shit. Literally, like, you if know, you look my like po Woodbridge Police, the, the same guys that were throwing <laughs> you in a backup car in 2014, you're now speaking to the youth to make sure they're not fucking up. Yeah. That's yeah. incredible. Um, you know, if you look up my name, it's uh, Nikki Smith Woodbridge, New Jersey. There's an article, it says Facebook, and I, it's pictures with me and the cops in middle school. If you go down to the next one, it's... Uh, you know, like two men arrested, you know, Nikki Smith and somebody we else. We got to change you know? the Google, like Google yeah. algorithms yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> we got we to yeah. do something you about know, this. So, but that that's the blessing about it is like, you know, like just because, you know, somebody goes down a dark path, um, you know, an addict can help an addict. You know, like it's the best help. You know, like there's like this this poetry that, you know, like a guy falls in a hole, a priest walks by, gives him a Bible, but he's still stuck in a hole. Um, a doctor walks by, gives him a, gives him a couple of medicine, and he's still stuck in the hole. Uh, you know, a, a girl comes by, you know, she, you know, flashes her, and you know, still stuck in the hole. But an, an addict walks by and jumps in the hole, and the guy says, "What are you doing?" And the addict says, "I've been here before. I know the way out." You know, like that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. You know, get and, that tatted somewhere. <laughs> it's a lot, but just get it tatted somewhere. It's no, it's really cool. No, yeah, and um, you know, and. And that's part of who I am. Um, my wife loves me for it. Like she let me, you know, do this. Like she was like, "Oh, absolutely." Like, you know, like she knows who I am. She grew up in recovery. Her father has thirty years clean. Her uncle has thirteen years clean. I have eight and a half years clean. Um, you know, like she knows what I have to do, which mm -hmm. is another blessing because she knows I have to go to meetings. She knows I have to answer the phone for the guys I sponsor. She knows. She knows everything that's entwined in recovery. Yeah. You know, and. Uh, and like, like I said, she's my rock, man. Like, she uh, seems like a fantastic person yeah. that's, uh, listen, I mean, look, you were a lot before the drugs. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I can only imagine what she's dealing on the regular, on a daily basis of you coming home being Nikki Smith yeah. to her. Uh, and then in addition to, you know, the phone off the hook and then just people just like, hey, man, I need to help. But look, if you're if you're the 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 vessel for that, then then keep continuing to do that because like oh, yeah. that's that's your message, that's your that's your legacy. Nobody's gonna remember Nick Smith anymore for the shit that went down, you know, once upon a time. And, and that's the that's the true greatness about it because the cops don't even mention it to me anymore. Like when cops see me, like like I met a rookie uh, not too long ago, and uh, you know, like the sergeant was like, "This is Nick Smith. He speaks on behalf of uh, addicts in, in Woodbridge Township." You know, like I was the first recovery coach to sign on into Woodbridge uh, on onto Woodbridge. It's awesome. Um, you know, and uh, you know that was my first state job, and. I, you know, when somebody overdosed, I got a call from Woolbridge Police Department uh, to dispatch me to the ER to help the person in the bed. Really? Yeah, that's what I did for the first couple that's of years insane. Uh, working for that's Woolbridge. That's awesome. Yeah, and when that happened, you know, I was speaking on government panels for the mayor, and I was doing all these different things, and uh, literally, literally I was walking into the fire with buckets of water to help that person. 
you know, and um, using my story to help them. And mm -hmm. like there, to this people, like not too long ago, I was I was out and about with my wife, and this girl, random girl, came up to hug me, and like you know, my my wife like put her fists up, you know, like and like she's like, you saved my life, you know, like and uh, and like. It's and and it gives me chills, you yeah. know. Like, um, you know, I I started working for Woolbridge, um, at that point in, re, in as a recovery coach, and they opened Curtains Bar and Restaurant, which is uh, Avenel Performing Arts Center. Yeah, they asked me to be the front uh, front of house manager. Um, that was a little too much on my recovery, um, because I was working eighty hours a week, and um, you know, re restaurant life is like whoa, you know. Oh, yeah. um, so, um. And I, I transferred to DPW, which is, that's what I do now. And like, I literally cut the same building that my face was implanted into the ground, getting arrested, you know, like, uh, you talk about a full circle moment, full circle. And when I graduated drug court, they gave me a promise. They gave me a promise of saying, um, if you stay clean, Mr. Smith, we will erase your record. Right. So I said, bet, you know, like, yeah, bet. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think <laughs> I can do this. Yeah. But if you use, we will double your prison time. Interesting. So that so was, a nice little ultimatum there. Yes. Yeah. So I was facing eight years if I used, you know, eight years with an 85, which I have to do 85% of eight years. Um, so I was facing some time, you know, for the things I've done. Mm -hmm. And um, when I graduated drug court, um, I was still a recovery coach at that time. And um, when my, my record got expunged, um, I took it a step further, you know, and um, now, you know, my, my brother, you know, he looks me up and there's nothing on me, you know, um, and it's <laughs> that's that's beyond words. You know what I mean? That, that's beyond anything that, you know, there's a lot of people out there that, that will always have things linger in their life and hang over them. The fact that now you can go walk around Woodbridge like Conor McGregor, just swinging your arms like I'm, you know, I'm I'm who I am now right. rather than who I was. And nobody now, nobody, even the books don't know who the hell I was at one point. Correct. But deep down inside, you always want to keep that with you because you do always want to remember where you were right and where you were. it always goes back to the drugs you know it always goes back to who i can be you know that monster inside of me and that that's why me and my wife are obsessed with beauty and the beast because mm -hmm. i'm the beast she's the beauty i you know, like, beg to differ i don't want to go the other way around <laughs> so um yeah, she, you know and she, she's the beauty but yeah you're not the beast you know, like we're talking about my brother you know like when he got on to the force mm -hmm. um they hounded him about me I was, I'm assuming they would. Um, they hounded. Him. I was very nervous about that. Yeah, you know, like the, he had the opportunity of a lifetime, and I almost stripped that from him. Mm -hmm. You know, and they they hounded him, saying like, if your brother messes up, would you arrest him? Your, if your brother messes up, like, would you like put him in back of a car? He said, "Fuck my brother." You know, like at that time. Yeah. You know, and uh, you know, it took me it took me years and years to to mend that relationship. You know, like yeah, in recovery we have an eighth and ninth step, but you know, like uh, uh, I'm sorry. Go, you know, doesn't do any justice. You right. know, I needed to get some years. I needed to live by principle. I needed. No, nah, there's no. Listen, there's nothing. There's no greater feeling nowadays to go to a Fourth of July party or a Memorial Day party at Kevin's house where he lives now. You know what I mean? And and see everybody together again and yeah. see everything like to know that I know that deep down, like man, these guys were were all in disarray for a little while, and you know, and Nick was the culprit you know, for all this. But yeah. now everybody is doing very, very well, and it's good to see. And it's just, it's just a. I mean, it's I, a whole big, big old success story, bro. It's so crazy how I ended up next to the, some of the guys I work with because, like, they're like, "You did what with what?" Like, I needed, I needed to bust my ass to get this job. You know, like, 
Just had to shoot heroin for eight years. Yeah, you know? there you go. Yeah, just listen. If you do drugs, you too can be a success story. No, but for real, dude, this has been uh, a great conversation. Obviously, there's there's so many people out there that you can touch in, in, in a verbal way, in a spiritual way, however you're going to be doing it. Um, is there anything anybody should know about you as far as like ways to communicate with you if they are going through a problem? Now, I'm not talking like you're an emergency phone line because clearly there's more stuff for that. But like, do you offer like your uh, where you where you practice your, your religion or, or anything like that? Like, I mean, what can you spread to the people right now? I mean, my church has a, a, it's called Celebrate Recovery. It's a Celebrate Recovery ministry um, where we, we meet the first and third Thursday of every month uh, at 2023 uh St. George's Road in Rawway. Um, first and third Thursday of every month at 7.30. We're there. I'm there. Um, you know, 12-step uh, meetings are, are everywhere. There's an app for that. You know, um, N-A-A-A-G-A-S-A, whatever you're, you're struggling with, um, it, there's there's help out there for you. Um, and, you know, you can find me on Facebook, Nikki Smith. Um, it's a picture of me and my wife on an island somewhere. <laughs> um, you can reach out anytime. Um, this, is, this is my calling. You know, this is my calling. This is who I am. I, I accepted that a long time ago, and uh, I'm trying to live on it day by day. I, I put the shopping cart back when I go to shop, right? You know, like, I'm... I'm, I'm what a stand-up yeah, individual. Yeah. Because, man, are they not the biggest pieces of <laughs> shit in the world? <laughs> like, you're just like, you're like, you know what? I'm done. Ah! And just, like, walk away. You're like, you know, what? like, I you try know? to be the best person I can be, you know? And, uh, you know, you know, we got a nice house, and, you know, hopefully family is next, and, you know, like... All these different. Oh God! Things. Another Nikki Smith yeah. on the way. <laughs> Hopefully, you know. Yeah, like, no, that's uh, great. You know, that's the plan. Have uh, a girl. We bought a big ass house. We bought a big ass house in Woodbridge. Um, you know, like bigger than the the Smith house. Really? Like, that I grew that's up. A big in. ass house. Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, I don't know. It's just uh, yeah. There's there's ways. That, there's ways. You know, there's a lot of help out there. But if you're struggling at home, if you have a loved one at home, um, even if you're raising somebody, um, don't buy their attention. You know, like. Don't buy them just an Xbox or don't just buy them a PlayStation. Like nurture your child, like nurture, give them love, show up to the games, show up, you know, do, do as much as possible to show up for your loved one. Um, because you can't buy their love. They need to be curdled, uh, nurtured and curdled. Um, and, uh, you know, and if you do have somebody struggling out there, um, show them tough love without the tough love, I would have never got clean. Um, I, without, you know, being disowned without, you know, you know, you're not allowed in here without, you know, like I had to literally like be homeless for weeks on end, not shower, not eat and hit my bottom. And who are you to steal that person's bottom away from them? If you keep on enabling. Them? Good. Uh, <laughs> I love it. No, I mean, for real, that was, that it, it doesn't get any better than that. You've definitely spent, uh, uh, sent a powerful message here. Um, so obviously from the bottom of my heart, thank you for coming on board. Uh, because I knew this was bound to happen eventually when I said, you know what, I want to sit down show and I want to talk to interesting people and I want to maybe people I don't know, mostly people I don't know, but people I know who with good stories, Ah, there's Nick. I can talk to Nick. Nick's got a story. Yeah. So I'm glad you were here and able to tell me all this because a lot of this stuff I learned today. So yeah. I'm glad I finally got a, a chance to finally learn a little bit more about you. And I, I can't, I, I can tell you right now as a, you know, as somebody who, who took you under his wing way back when, when, when Kev decided to go fight for our freedom across the seas, um, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of everything that you've you've turned into. Uh, I'm proud of the man you grew up to be today. And, um, and if it took absolute shittiest path to get there so be it you're here now so be it man you're here I, now. I lived it you know like they say what it, 
fucking kill you makes you stronger, man. Ain't that the truth? You know, Ain't that and, the truth? Uh, Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> Yeezy. Anyway, folks, uh, this has been another episode of a sit down with Sturge with Nick Smith. Be sure to follow him. Reach out to him. Um, obviously, uh, yeah, this is this man. It was just a, a great episode, and I, I knew this was, this story was going to be good. So, until next time, I'll see you guys next week. That red